first lesbian bar I ever went into in my life. I found, because my roommate at the time was my cousin, him and his buddies had gone out to street pool, and they come home bitching that they ended up in this fucking dive bar. As soon as they said it, I'm like, Years ago, I'm like, where? Where was that? I won't ever fucking go in there in my mind. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Two nights later, I'm in there. I'm scared to death. I walked up. I was 18 years old. Green is... God, we all remember those days. Ordered a beer. I was illegal in the bar. And I'm sitting there looking, you know, trying to look as old as possible, sitting all proud, not looking around, like, just trying to see. And this older couple, which now I say older, they're probably in their 30s. The butch of the two of them walked up to me and said, what are you doing in here? Ooh. And I was like, just hanging out, having a couple of beers, trying to act like this is, you know, this is about your years. I come here all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> they're like, we've never seen you in here before. And I'm like, no, I've been in here before. And they're like, no, nah, we've never seen you in here before. And I'm like, no, this is my first time. And they're like, oh, okay. What, you're, you know, what, 21, 22? And I'm like, yeah, 21. And they're like, take, come with us. Let us show you where to go. They take me. Never met him before. Never even seen him before. They took me to the dance club down the street, and I was like, I found home. It was like, I walked into the fucking Sistine Chapel, and it wasn't that nice of a bar looking back, but to me, it was like, I found home. Rainbow flags everywhere. The next day, I'm like, where can I get something with rainbows? I work, you know, and I bought... Uh, rainbows and unicorns, baby. I bought a, uh, glitter. a rainbow pride necklace. Today's episode, Pride Flag. Part two. That's right. There's a part one. Make sure to check it out. Check it out. I'm Mark. I'm Sam. You're listening to Materialistic. A podcast about the objects we own and what they say about who we are. Materialistic. The hidden complexities behind these everyday things. So it was the last week of June. Pride Month, June. And Sam and I went to Henry's house for a roundtable conversation about the Pride flag. His friends from out of town were all staying that weekend for the big Pride March in New York City. They're all part of the leather community, which is a group that's into leather, BDSM, uniforms, stuff like that. It's kind of hard to define. But like Blue said in the beginning, the rainbow flag was their starting point. You could even say everyone in the group had their own Pride flag origin story. However, as we discussed in the last episode, not all queer people feel like the Pride Five represents them. One thing we learned from talking to everybody is that there's a disagreement about how the Pride Five, as well as related symbols, acronyms, and language should look like. Here's Mike, Blue, Alyssa, Henry, and Aaron discussing their opinions about these identity structures. Every time there's like a different color added to it or another letter added to LGBT, I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned LGBTQ plus. Now y'all want to add three more letters. I'm just like, it's making it so hard to try to like what that word around fit in. And it's also difficult when you, depending on who you're talking to, like, say if, you know, we had um, intersex person, intersex person, somebody who identifies as intersex here. And if we did not include that I, they feel secluded because we don't add that letter. But that's what the plus is. They, they feel a plus is not... Lesbians have their own letter. Gays have their own letter. Bi's have their own letter. Trans have their own letter. Why don't we have our letter? But when you start adding stuff, you're automatically excluding it people. Oh, right. But then that just goes... There's always going to be somebody in there missing. Oh, yeah. 
There have been iterations of the pride flag to make it more inclusive of minority groups within the LGBTQ community. In 2017, Philadelphia added a black and brown stripe to their pride flag in order to, quoting their spokesperson, step toward inclusivity, to spur dialogue within the community, and to impact the worldwide conversation. Our friend Cam, a non-binary academic from Boston, makes a good point about the power of these iterations. I was it 2017, maybe it was 2018, Philadelphia Pride adding the black and brown stripes to the top. They're like, hey, we don't feel like everyone's included. We don't feel like really specifically people of color are included in this movement. Um, what would it mean to include them? Let's change our symbol to match that, to make that really clear. When you do things like that, you're kind of making a promise. You showed the whole world, you made a symbol to the whole world, like, hey, this is what we think, this is what we believe in, this is what we're going to try to enact, like, let me show you that. And it's pretty irreversible at that point. Once everyone has seen that you said you're going to do something, you're kind of held to it in ways that you wouldn't be otherwise. Um, and I think that's important. It was also responsive to other people who might not want to do that, right? I'm sure there are plenty of people who, sorry, I know there are lots of people who didn't like that change. Um, and what were their reasons? Probably mostly white supremacist ones. On the flip side, Henry, who's not a white supremacist, and Moto, who's also not a white supremacist, aren't fans of these redesigns. They maintain that the six-color flag already includes everybody. And that was meant to be inclusive of everybody in the community. And some of those other flags, as well as the sixth flag that they've added two colors to, can be divisive because then people feel left out of those things. That six color flag had nothing to do with race or gender for that matter, actually. It meant everyone was welcome. So as it's changed and morphed over the years, even trying to be more inclusive has actually turned a number of people off and has become divisive in the community. Until recently, I've only known about the standard, the six color flag. I have to not say standard, but to me, that, that's what I thought was. And then there's like, oh, we're also adding the POC ones. Like, that's dumb. And then there's the transgender ones. Like, that makes sense, I guess. Not to, like, speak ill about any of that. It's just like, okay. Oh, we don't need that. The six-stripe flag covers everybody already. And then you get the other side that's like, if it really did cover everybody, we wouldn't be having any issues. So I feel like we are actually kind of in that space right now of reevaluating really what our flag represents originally and whether or not it does represent those things. Uh, and you can hear people on both ends who will say yes or no. Uh, that's one of the things that I really like about my flag is that it creates this, uh, it creates discussion. That was Daniel Cueto, the graphic designer from Portland, Oregon, who created the Progress Pride flag an iteration of the pride flag that has made a huge impact on the LGBT community. They were inspired by some of the recent pride flag redesigns. I saw what Philadelphia was doing and I saw what Seattle did by adding the, the trans stripes and I thought, what can I bring to this to not only bring emphasis but also up the value of the message itself. What they came up with was a six color rainbow flag we know and love, but with a triangle on the left hand side. The triangle consists of brown and black stripes to represent people of color, as well as teal, pink, and white to represent the transgender communities. Daniel's flag has found many supporters as well as detractors, but rather than denounce their critics, Daniel encourages people to decide what their flag and the redesigns mean to them.
I didn't come out there saying, I am the authority on this and I will redesign and make this, this is the official and if you don't use it, then you're terrible, whatever. Like it was just a, hey, I did this thing, I think it's important. And then the community then decided whether or not it was important to them. And I think that's, anybody can redesign things and change things. And it's, it's the community who then decides whether or not that works or not. When Gilbert Baker was asked, Gilbert Baker, original Pride flag designer, about iterations on his flag, he was very into and actually encouraged the, the process of redesigning the flag to represent who we are as a community as times changed. And that's my stance with my flag as well. I don't see my flag as a permanent fixture of the gay community as a whole. It is meant to be a, this is what we need to focus on right now. And maybe hopefully down the road, we won't need to have that level of representation in, in as an icon because we are a community that actually provides equity to every part of the community. While these new designs, terms, and acronyms do a lot of good, it's also made the conversation way more complex. Some people wish they could just go back to when everyone would rally behind the six color flag. 25 years ago when I marched in New York City, it was just a we carried a mile long pride flag. Six colors, there was no argument, no fight about it. And I mean, including everybody. People, gay people, bi people, lesbians. Like you just weren't straight. All <laughs> that stuff were carrying the flag. But I don't know if we could simply go back to one flag fits all. The culture has changed in the last 25 years, and the diversity conversation has become a lot more nuanced. And with that comes a proliferation of identity structures. And here is a non-comprehensive list of LGBT-related flags. Bisexual flag. Transgender flag. Pansexual flag. Polysexual flag. Intersex flag. Leather flag. Bear flag. Non-binary flag. Lesbian flag. Genderqueer flag. Genderfluid flag. Agender flag. Just to name a few. And here is a non-comprehensive list of LGBT acronyms. LGBT. LGBTQ. LGBTQ2. LGBTQ+. LGBTQI. LGBTQIA. LGBTQQIA. LGBTQQIAAP. Quilt bag. Just to name a few. One thing I think of is just like a proliferation of identities. And part of that is like that there is more space to consider and to talk about these things. So you can make a new thing or a newer thing or present a new thing in ways that you might not have been able to before. Um, part of that's because like the social norms around gender and orientation are a little different. Not necessarily that different, <laughs> a lot less different than we think sometimes. And part of it, I think, is like the expansion of things like the internet where you can like, you know what, if you have some notion of your identity and 50 other people in the world have it, you might be able to talk to them now. Um, there is a crazy welcoming pansexual community on, of all places, Facebook. There's just so many inclusive, inclusive places on social media that helped me kind of when I was researching and trying to figure out where I could identify and um, 
my resources are as much as social media seems like a scary place and can be really scary and really dark. Um, there also are a lot of people and a lot of places from all over the world that are dealing with the same thing. If you're struggling to come out, there are so many resources for it. And there are so many communities to kind of like lift each other up. That was my coworker, Taylor, who literally did what Cam said. She found her people on the internet. Online and offline, these subcultures are in a constant dialogue to define themselves and the boundaries between what they are and what they are not. We saw this friction firsthand during the conversation at Henry's when Alyssa challenged his utopian view of the leather community. I believe it's inclusive-ish. And I I go with air quotes because ish, because if I don't match what you think I am, then I'm not good enough in your space. But but that's not the the standard. That's not the standard. Stop. That is so the standard. If I don't match your box, I have to go find my box and fit in those spaces. But I'm, a, I'm not afraid to speak my mind. If I talk loud because I'm a female, you don't like it. If I don't wear two pieces of leather, you don't like it. If I don't march to the same beat as your drummer, you don't like me. But I can also fit in that space by saying, okay, I can manage to wear two pieces of leather and make it work. I can manage to Try to not talk so loud. Yeah, bullshit. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, Taylor's straight-passing relationship and pansexual identity make it hard for her to fit in sometimes. So, I'm almost like too gay for straight people, but not gay enough for gay people. Hmm. I, I fall in this really weird area that kind of can get criticized by both communities. Yeah. I don't know if this is something that you want to include because I don't feel like it's very inclusive. It's not, but I get very weird judgments even from inside the LGBT community. Like what? Tell me a little more about that. Yeah. um, So like I'm scared to go to pride because I'm in a straight passing relationship. And while I feel a very personal connection to the community and the members of the community that are my personal friends accept me very greatly, I feel like there are a lot of people still who Which is weird because I feel like being in a marginalized group, such as like the LGBTQ community, I feel like they would be more accepting and be more like willing to learn about something like that. I mean, but I also think it's like, so what's available to you? How can you attach yourself to a community? Um, It's a lot less important for me. Mm. I I don't need a flag. I have people. (laughs) You know, if you're in a space where maybe that's new or you're not sure how to do it, or you're not allowed to do it, I think symbols can be often a lot more important, right? Because they're, they're a thing that you have. They're a thing that's really tangible that relates to whatever it is that's important to you at the moment. Um, and you can grasp it and you can look at it and you can hold it. So to have some sort of concrete, like bodily living thing that is it, mm-hmm. you can see how powerful that can become, which like tells you why people are so upset when the flag is burned, right? Because you're not burning a piece of plastic. That's not what it means. Right. This is the embodiment of whole sets of ideas and whole sets of identity. Right. Right. And again, the question is like, so why is that important to you? Why do you need it to be embodied in this particular way? Like, what does that fulfill in you? And why might that be more important to some people than others? And usually my answer will be like, so what else do those people have? And if they're lacking other things that are important to them, it shouldn't be surprising that this becomes really important. So what are these important things that are lacking? Acceptance, empathy, equal opportunities? The freedom to be a self? I would say all of the above. In this dazzle of rainbow things, it's easy to forget what the symbol meant in the first place. I always think of the, the refrain, Stonewall was a riot. 
Pride right now is a parade. The parade's got, you know, Bank of America in it. It's got TD Bank. It's got Gillette. It's got all these companies that have, like, shitty labor practices and contribute to, like, struggles at the border and fund missiles in Yemen and whatever else, like, fucked up thing. And I have a lot of difficulty imagining that the people who started Pride, who did it to fight, like, for their notions of freedom in the world, and, like, often with linkages to other communities, like, that's what they were looking for, and that's what they were talking about. All that is to say, like, my sense of community is deeply tied to those ideas, too, right? Like, it's not just about orientation in whatever sense that is important, but it's about that as attached to a particular politic, a particular way of understanding the world and struggling in the world. And, like, that's what I think of, and that's what I mean when I say my community. When we first got to Henry's house, I asked about the parade the next day, to which they replied, until we have equal rights, it's a march. It's easy to think about these symbols, identities, and communities as abstract concepts. But for many, inequality is still very real. There are people who say, be out and proud, do all that good stuff. And I'm like, no, think about where you are first. Because guess what? Those horror stories you hear every day about people getting kicked out for just liking the same sex, very much still real. Yes. And we still live in a society where just me being black is enough of a reason for someone to kill me outright. Yeah. So Never mind being gay. Never mind being gay. Because I'm still an African-American, Hispanic person, whatever. So I've read articles about women having, about black women, having to have conversations with their black children about ways to have, how they have to act in public in order to make sure that they come home at night. Yeah. So as a parent of a trans child, I've had to have that same conversation, and it's heartbreaking oh, I, I, to I, have I, that conversation with my trans child, with my gay child. And be supportive at the same child. time, uh, and, and try and encourage them. And trying to let them know yeah. it's okay to be who you are, but you have to be, be aware care. of the spaces yes. that you're in. Oh, I can't do this. All right, I'll try one more time, then I give up. Dear Pride Flag, Even though you've existed as a thing in the world far before I was born, I felt like I never really knew you. Learning about you, it's been interesting, funny at times, hard, sad. You still have a lot of growing to do. That's maybe been the most surprising thing of all, because ultimately I think you represent the kind of world I want to live in. I know that you're not necessarily for me, but I am definitely for you. You empower people who are struggling to be who they are. Ask for more of what they deserve. Equal rights, representation, the right to love. In the face of whatever it is we are going through. And, yeah, I just think you're beautiful, and thank, thank you. you. This episode was produced by me, Mark Tang. And me, Sam Moberg. We'd like to thank the Leather Group, who are Aaron Smith, Henry Smith, Alyssa Dernan, Blue, Mike Haynes, Sunny Haynes, and Moto. We'd also like to thank Cam Haig, Daniel Quasar, and Taylor Sestito, and our podcast teacher from NYU, Eric Malinsky, who always started class with this strong statement.
I am the authority. This is the official. And if you don't use it, then you're terrible, whatever. 